This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Hello and welcome to SuperAge. My name is David Harry Stewart. I'm the founder of Aegist. At SuperAge, we help you live better and become the best version of yourself. And who doesn't want a SuperAge? Welcome to episode 33 of the SuperAge podcast. This will be dropping on April the 28th, 2021. Did you guys watch the Oscars this year? I thought it was really great. Um, There's something, you know, there's the whole sort of star power thing, which is, you know, okay. But what I love are these human moments when people go up and they get their award. You know, somebody who's, like if you've been working in short form animation for the last 20 years, and then suddenly you win and you're up there. And it's like, this is your moment. And you can just feel the way that it's just so human. Um, and I, you know, I love the, the older Korean actress who gets up on stage and looks over at Brad Pitt blushing and saying, Mr. Brad Pitt, it's very nice to meet you. <laughs> this is wonderful. Um, and one of my favorite movies won uh, My Octopus Teacher, which I just thought it was a, I, I just love that. I, any kind of movies with like, you know, interspecies communication, um, just love it. This week on the show, it will just be me. And I have a couple of things I want to talk about. I want to talk about language signaling, and I've got a really interesting hack around stress that I want to share with you. So we'll get to that in just a second after a word from our sponsor. Today's show is brought to us by Genev, spelled G-E-N-N-E-V. Genev offers a modern approach to women's health and wellness for the second half of life. Their telehealth services in all 50 states, their team consists of OBGYNs, naturopathic doctors, and registered dietitians that double as health coaches. Their treatment options include prescription medications, natural solutions, and supplement recommendations, along with lifestyle behaviors for symptom relief. If you need lab work, or in-office procedures, they will help you find a provider. Genev cares about your hormonal health, your emotional health, your heart, your bones, and your brain. Visit Genev.com today, where new members receive 20% off everything, which includes wellness products and telehealth services, with the code SUPERAGE20, now through May 31st, 2021. This does not include subscription or save plans. Check them out, Genev, G-E-N-N-E-V.com. So I want to talk a little bit about language and signaling here. A lot of us say to ourselves, well, I need to get fit, or I need to get a little stronger, or maybe I need to lose some weight. Let's just hold that thought for a second, and let's reframe that with a different word. Let's use the word athlete. Let's say to ourselves, I am an athlete. And how does that feel? It feels really different, doesn't it? I remember the first time I was with somebody, I don't know, it was like 20 or 30 years ago, and I was kind of sporty, and they said, oh, you're an athlete. And I pushed back on that. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not an athlete. I just like to do this sporty stuff. And the reason I pushed back at it, because I didn't really want to claim the idea of athlete. I thought that athlete was something that was a 
a profession, you went to the Olympics, you were recognized on television, something like that. And in retrospect, I realized I just didn't really want to claim that word when actually I was involved in athletics, therefore I was an athlete. But it feels quite different, doesn't it? So just, I mean, maybe just try that to yourself. Just say like, I am an athlete and how that feels. It feels like really different, right? It feels completely different from saying, I'm, I'm getting in shape. I'm getting fit. Saying I am an athlete really reframes the whole thing. And I think it's super interesting that, you know, we, we're just so reticent to claim the thing that we are. It's, I don't know what it is. It's out of modesty or whatever. But, you know, I, my guess is that a lot of you out there listening to this are involved in some sort of an exercise program of some kind. Therefore, you are an athlete. Like, you can say that to yourself. Just say it. Like, I'm an athlete. I'm going to go do my thing right now. And how incredibly empowering that is. I think that it's an interesting thing how we, you know, a lot of times here at Aegis, we, you know, rightly so, take issue with language that's used around people our age. So, you know, language that infers that we're not capable of learning things or that we're not capable of, you know, improving our bodies. We can't do certain jobs, things like this. You know how I feel about that. (laughs) It really agitates me. But I think a lot of this we do to ourselves, and I'm not just talking about people our age. I'm talking about, like, everyone. We just don't really claim this thing that we are because it's a little scary, right? It says that, okay, I've marked a line in the sand. This is who I am. Therefore, I have to live up to it. So, you know, I've thought about other kinds of languaging. Of course, you know, the easy one that I just said was, like, I'm an athlete. Just claim it. Like, I personally go to the gym for an hour a day, five days a week. I'm involved in athletics, therefore I'm an athlete. Okay, great. You know, what are the other things that we can do here? And it, it you know, my mind went a little too far here. I thought, well, I'm, I like to read, therefore I am a scholar. Well, it seems like a little far, doesn't it? Um, but I, I, I think there's more of these things that we can do to just claim, like, if you're good at putting people together, you just claim it. You say, I'm a really good connector. Done. How does that feel? Feels pretty good. So staying on the topic of athletics, I received an email from a gentleman this week who I recall was about 75, and he is about to go on a cross-country run, meaning he is going to run across the country. And he's going to do this in 20 or 30-mile segments. And that's something. I mean, for anyone to do that, that's something. But what was so interesting to me is I thought, the big deal here was that he was 75. And I thought, why is that a big deal? Why is it that we're thought of in this way, like that it's exceptional at 75 to be running 20 miles a day? Now, I think it's exceptional at any age to be running 20 miles a day. I don't really see it as all that different from somebody who's 75. And you know, I think about places I've been in the world. So I, I was in Zurich, Switzerland a couple of years ago. And people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, they're really fit. It's expected to be fit. And I thought, I wonder if what's going to happen here in the future 
is that if there's enough of this starts to go on, we all start to signal the idea that that this is possible. This is normal, that it's like entirely normal that someone in their 70s is, you know, involved in, in you know, an endurance activity like that. I think that's the sort of world that I want to live in. And I think that's the sort of world that we're moving towards. I think that, you know, as we see more and more instances on, you know, things on Instagram, and I, and I think of especially women, you're seeing more and more really fit, athletic women um, in their 50s, 60s, 70s, um, putting out there and saying this is possible and saying, like, we're not particularly exceptional. We're just athletes. And I'm an athlete, you know, people, we talk about Joan McDonald all the time. Joan McDonald became an athlete at 70. Um, totally possible, right? And she claims it. If you, I'm, I've spoken to Joan on the podcast before and her daughter, Michelle, and they say, we are athletes. They use that word. It's really empowering. Um, and, you know, lots of other people out there doing the same thing. And I think that that's, I mean, that's where we want to move towards, right? So this is considered normal. And for some reason now, it's considered abnormal and aberrant. Not, and I don't know why that is. Um, I think it's, you know, as I've said in podcasts before, we just keep the bar too low. Um, Let's raise the bar. Like we have this capacity. Now, on that topic of signaling, and I mentioned earlier that I watched the Academy Awards, and I just want to say, like, every year I watch the Academy Awards, and I'm just uh, ready to really dislike it. Like, I really don't want to watch it. You know, my wife is like, oh, let's watch the Oscars. And and I think, oh, God, this is going to be really banal. <laughs> but I always have a really bad attitude about it. But I always, like, I love it because of these moments. And one of the things that happened this year during the Oscars is... AARP ran an ad. And in this ad, they show some gentleman maybe in his 50s or 60s and there's a computer and it's, you know, the the inference is that this gentleman doesn't really have the capacity to understand how to use the computer, how to use the machine. That there's, you know, something he's essentially impaired because of his age. I don't like that. Not good. And then it goes on and it talks about you know, some kind of um, exercise. And they, they show a woman, and she appears to be about 60. She's trim and fit, and she's in a park. She's not running. She's walking, um, you know, somewhat briskly, but she's walking. And then there's a young girl playing next to her, sort of bouncing around. And clear, there's a contrast here. So the messaging here is that the younger person is very spry and sprightly and can do all these things, and the older person... You know, don't challenge, don't push yourself too much. You're going to hurt yourself. And, you know, and AARP is like, we're here to help you. <laughs> and, you know, when I see this this sort of thing, it reminds me of why so many people reach out to me and they find these things so offensive. And, you know, I don't really want to slam AARP too much. They're, you know, my mom is 90. My mom loves them. And they're great for them. And I think they really do serve a purpose for a certain kind of people. But on the other hand, they're perpetuating a certain kind of stereotype that says that we are not capable. They're signaling a certain kind of thing to us. So to go back to my earlier point about the athlete, if the woman walked up to the camera and said, I'm an athlete, 
and just takes off at a six-minute mile pace right on. <laughs> I'm all about that. Let's do that. But there's, a, there's just so much signaling out there that we have to push back against that says that we don't have the capacity or we can't do things. And I'm, I want to be clear about this, that not everybody has to live in this way. I mean, if, if, if you want to just like take it easy and chill out, have at it. You can do that. I, don't, I have no problem with that whatsoever. What I have a problem with is saying you don't have the capacity to do anything else. And that's, that's where we push back. And I think that this idea of, you know, the language that's used around us and, you know, our own, own responsibility, the language that we use around ourselves um, can use a little improvement. And I just want to call myself out on this, too, because I, I do the same thing. It's, I, I wrote a thing the other day. Somebody was asking me about something, and I was kind of felt like bragging. And I said, hey, uh, I just did 80 straight-through push-ups. Okay, great. And then I modify it, and I say, and I'm 62. <laughs> when I could have just said the first part, right? Um, but by saying, by modifying with the second part, not so good. Now, I recognize that certain physical capacity changes with age. This is, this is true. There's like, I'm just never going to be able to run the way I ran in high school. It's just not going to happen. My body just doesn't move that quickly anymore. But that doesn't mean that I, that, you know, me and all of you can't do other really exceptional things. And I think that putting that qualifier in there saying like, at this age is really diminishes who we are and what our capacity is. And not to be too controversial here, but if we, if you had inserted that with like um, a comment about one's race or one's religion or, or some other kind of a thing, what would that sound like, right? It's still, that's not good, right? You wouldn't dream of that. Uh, so we're, I just, I just want to say here, this, this signaling and the language, we have a part in this too out in the culture. So how, how we speak about ourselves will influence how people regard us. Okay, so enough about that. I want to share with you this really interesting thing about stress. So it's, you've been listening. I've really been focusing on how to reduce my stress. And we've been talking a bit about gratitude and writing in a gratitude journal and how that helps. Let me just, I just want to explain a little bit about why I'm focused on stress. I've seen quite a bit of information lately about how stress affects the epigenome. And the epigenome is the part of your body that reads your DNA underneath. It's what causes the DNA to react in a different way. It's a, it's a signaling thing, right? So your, your DNA is just a hardwired in there, and the epigenome says, okay, turn on ABC, turn off DHJ or something. So that gets, effect, uh, gets affected by stress. And I saw some brain scans the other day. I was on a call with the uh, wellness director at the Cleveland Institute, and he shared these brain scans, and it was amazing. The, uh, the sort of like before and after on the different uh, DNA activation between someone in a stressed state and then in a relaxed state. W- what that means is stress will negatively affect your epigenome. And the removal of the stress will cause the epigenome to go back to its, uh, you know, its, its previous condition and 
um, the DNA will be signaled correctly, the correct proteins produced, and better healthy outcomes. That's, the, that's why I'm interested in this. Um, I wear a device called a Whoop. I don't endorse Whoop. It just, it's, a, it's a tracker. And one of the things that Whoop does is it tracks a metric called your heart rate variability, which is more or less a proxy for stress. It'll tell you that you know, the higher your HRV, the less stress you're under. And that stress can be is what WHOOP is actually designed for is athletic stress to know if you're overtraining or not. But it reflects just sort of all levels of stress. And so I've, I've, got, I've had like a year and a half of data on this. And so I've been sort of watching how it changes with um, you know, my gratitude practices and things like that. And then I discovered this like super interesting thing. I, w- I was on the phone the other day with Barry Goldstein, and Barry was a uh, pop music producer who several years ago, his health was being negatively impacted by these very long hours of pr- producing these three-minute pop songs. And so he started to produce these hour-long tracks of essentially ambient meditation music, but they're designed in a way to sort of hook into your parasympathetic nervous system to slow down your heart rate and slow down your breathing. Now, when he told me this, I got to say, I'm I'm endlessly skeptical of anything sort of woo-woo. It's like, okay, right. But he he sent this to me. He sent me an hour-long track, and I listened to it last week before I went to bed. And, you know, laying in bed thinking like, oh, boy, this is a waste of time. I could be doing some kind of productive thing this hour, you know, that that track. And, you know, I went to sleep after listening to an hour and I looked at my HRV the next morning and it had shot up like 30 percent to like a level that it hasn't been in a, a really long time. And I thought, is this an anomaly? Hmm. Maybe there's really something to this. So I did it again the next night, and like same result. So um, what I'm, <laughs> I just I want to share with you like this actually works. Um, like I have actual real data about how my parasympathetic nervous system and its stress load is decreased by listening to this kind of music. And as Barry said to me. He said the music was the original biohack. Like, if you want to increase your energy, okay. It's like, you know, Bruce Springsteen, born to run, bring it on. But you can also crank it down in this other direction in this really science-based way. So super interesting. Barry Goldstein, we're going to have him on the podcast um, soon, in a few weeks. And we're going to do a profile on him. Super interesting guy. Um, He's got stuff out on, you know, all the major music services. Check it out. Tell me how you like it. Thanks so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Uh, You know, all of you are who inspire all of us here. It's, we're just so appreciative that you spend your time with us, that you send us your comments and your, your questions, your emails. Yeah, it's a big deal for us. Um, You know, we try and be here as best we can for all of you It's because, you know, we're all in this together. Um, Let's see what we can do to help each other. If you have any comments, you have any questions, you want to talk to me directly, you can do that. David at superage.com. And I respond to all my emails as directly and quickly as I can. Um, Next week, we have a very interesting guest, someone who had a traumatic um, stroke. 
and had to rebuild their brain. So that's going to be super interesting. Hope you can join us then. In the meantime, have a wonderful week. It's a wonderful life. Take care. We'll see you next week.